Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. I want to speak to you today about an escape to freedom. I am prompted by a reminder sent out as a social media post from Professor Sir Hilary Beckles, who is the Vice Chancellor of the University of the West Indies, that this year is the bicentenary of the first landing by Jamaican enslaved persons who escaped to freedom to Haiti and became citizens of Haiti according to a provision in the Haitian Constitution of 1805. Through this provision, any African enslaved person who landed in Haiti would be declared free from enslavement and would be made citizens of Haiti. <clears throat> in keeping with this, I am calling to mind the construction of the society of ancient Israel before the establishment of court systems, that they developed these cities of refuge. The book of Numbers in the Old Testament was the first to give account of these cities of refuge, of the six towns on either side of the Jordan River, which were there as a kind of uh, provided escape to freedom. They were there in the event of an unintentional homicide. The accused persons could flee to the city of refuge and be protected while he awaited trial from what is called the avenger in blood, a next of kin who was obliged to avenge the death of his relative by killing the accused person. The accused persons would be safe there until trial. It is well known that during the period of chattel slavery of the African people in the Caribbean, there was no protected legal rights for an African person. The only hope of freedom was to escape. Matters were made worse because chattel slavery of the African people was the total reality of the Caribbean. There was no place in the Caribbean where an African person was free and in which an African person enjoyed guaranteed legal rights in the total Caribbean area. The only exception to this came about after the successful slave revolt in Haiti, then called Saint Dominique. The slave revolt, which began in 1791, and lasted until victory over France, Britain, and Spain in 1804. As Sir Hilary Beckles has reminded us, after the victory in 1805, the genius of a Haitian president, Jean-Jacques Dessayes, instated in the constitution of Haiti, the provision of freedom and escape for freedom for any Africans that landed in Haiti. 
We are indebted to the learned professor who has told us and without him telling us, we may never have known that in 1816, the first set of Jamaicans sailed away to freedom. A boatsman named James McEwan had 15 enslaved Africans in his boat, which he docked in Port Royal and then left them in the boat while he completed his business. The African commandeered the boat and sailed away to Haiti, which was 170 miles away, and they had no developed systems of navigation. When the owner pursued the boat, he arrived in Trabonbon, Haiti. He found his boat safely docked, but the Africans had left. They had landed in Haiti and gained their freedom and their Haitian citizenship. The boatsman got back his boat and in time got reparations from the Jamaican government for the loss of his enslaved person. But the enslaved were never returned to him. Instead, they had escaped to freedom and were protected by law in Haiti. There are several things that arise to me from the incident and the record of it, which was largely, which has largely been forgotten but which are important to us at this time. The first is the easiest, the call to memorialize the passage to freedom that Haiti represented. This is easy, but it is important. There is every bit of irony in it being called to mind at this time. During the course of this past week, we were told by the Jamaica Constabulary Force and by Interpol of a Colombian national who was captured in Jamaica, who is wanted both in Haiti and by Interpol for having participated in the recent assassination of the Haitian president, Mr. Moise. We do not know that this is so, but those are the allegations and they fit into a view that has developed of Haiti as a kind of poor cousin of the Caribbean and a source of repeated embarrassment. Nations like the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico, among others, are calling on the USA to stem the flow of Haitian immigrants and boat people in the region. Stories like the bicentenary of the sail away to freedom are important to remind us that the principalities and powers have engaged a historical rewrite that forces us to forget that Haiti was a high watermark in jurisprudence, not only because it defeated slavery on its own land, but that it was a city of refuge for enslaved peoples in the region, and that it was the only one of its kind in the world. Such a memorial ought to be good for the self-confidence of our people. What it means is that not because of the help or intervention of the white man or of Europe or of America, but on our own, by our own, for the sake of our own people, an option was developed in opposition to this 500 year historical wrong of the enslavement of the African people. The sail away 200 years ago was by people with no real weapon, no real resources, but their human imagination and their human determination and that they upended 
and overthrew that monstrous wrong. And history is grateful to them and to Haiti for it. And we are the better because it has been done. We just need to be reminded of it. The members of the punditocracy and the chattering classes will not take it up. It is not in their interest to do so. The ruling elite has no interest in telling that story. We have to tell it to our children and to our grandchildren and to get them to know the story and to repeat them until they come to define who they think themselves to be. But beyond the historical value, the story tells us something else about our people that we will do well to take on board in the project of national development. The names of the boat, the name of the boat owner in 1816 was one Mr. James McCowan. He left the enslaved in the boat while he docked it in Port Royal, believing that they were content with their lot and that they had nowhere to go and that they knew nowhere. They had no compass or tools of navigation and they were surrounded by water. They were children, he thought to himself, and could not command the boat. He thought that way. And that is how his entire culture taught him to think in terms of the myth of African inferiority. It is as if the lessons of history and geography and the intrigue of international politics was lost on them. Their culture of the day went through great lengths to keep things hidden from the enslaved African. And after a while, they had come to believe their own propaganda. What the story shows is that they were wrong. None of the names of the Africans is known. The African, however, was indeed aware. He was aware of what was happening in Haiti. Neither the sea, nor the French language, nor Haitian Creole, nor the difficulties of transportation were impossible impediment to the enslaved African. They waited for their moment. And when it came, they snatched freedom and escaped to freedom. Neither ocean nor language could stop them. That same awareness and that same longing for better and for more is among our people. The pathways are more treacherous nowadays, but the yearnings are still deep. We think about that dreadful distortion and abuse of people's religious sensibilities taking place in our midst this week. We were given a dreadful example. It is part of that longing and quest and that awareness and imagination that are unquenchable. It is more importantly an indictment on our society that these are the things to which our people are gullible and susceptible. The final thing that strikes me about the bicentenary of the sail away to Haiti and the escape to freedom afforded by the Haitian constitution is the essence of the spirit of our people. The contraptions in Norwood St. James with its architectural splash with motor vehicles and social media presence and weapons and the many, many people who come and go is that it was there, despite the presence of radio, of television, 
of the internet, we were unaware of it until it showed its ugly face. How is that possible? How come we know so much about so much and yet we know so little about ourselves? And here are some enslaved persons in the hull of a boat. They are, as far as we know, illiterate. They have no means of communication. They have, as we have said above, no navigational tool. And as far as we know, have never managed a boat before, let alone managed a boat on the high seas. Yet they are aware of the Haitian Revolution. They are aware of the provision in the Haitian Constitution that if they landed there, they would be free. They know where to find it despite the enormous obstacles that slavery put in their way. They looked for the moment. All 15 of them, there was no mutiny on the high seas. What I'm saying is that the story is about the human spirit. Freedom is the essence of the human spirit. We live in societies that trifle and trivialize the human spirit by trampling upon the, the rights and the freedoms and the dignity of the people every day. And we convince ourselves that people do not know the difference, that they are not paying attention, that they will get used to being mistreated and abused. We are wrong and we will soon find out. In the way the biblical narrative of the book of Numbers was constructed, it was aware that when you build a community, you have to anticipate the essence of the human spirit. You have to know what that things happen, whether they are intended or otherwise. People need to be accounted for. There is a human antenna that is bent towards freedom. The men, were in the boat in Port Royal, but they knew where Haiti was because that is where freedom was. They had no compass, no experience in handling a boat, but they made it to Haiti anyway. The Reverend Dr. Burchard Taylor preached a famous sermon long ago called Voice from the Voiceless. He spoke about the runaway slave Onesimus Philemon's sermon, servant about whom Paul wrote an epistle appealing to Philemon to treat Onesimus as a brother. Virgil Taylor asserted that there is no such thing as benign slavery that is palatable to the human spirit. It flies in the face of our humanity. Our spirits protest against it. That is what is now becoming commonplace in Jamaica, in which we are busily reinforcing notions of two Jamaicas and trampling upon the rights and dignity of a section of the population. It is not lost on the people. And when they bolt towards freedom, they will take some very precious things that we have with them. Let us memorialize this bicentenary of the sail away towards Haiti. And let us remember that what we are celebrating is a high watermark towards the establishment of justice in the region. Let us resolve to make space for freedom, make space for dignity, make space for justice of our people. And let us know that our people are paying attention. Amen.